There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Dugout from Sportsmall. I'm Pascal Lemaire and Barney Corker was with me again today. It's a week since we were last with you and plenty has happened in the football world with the completion of the Champions League last 16 first legs and the Europa League round of 32. We start this week, though, with Sunday's League Cup final between Liverpool and Manchester City. Barnes, who do you think is going to win the first trophy of the season? Oh, it's a really interesting final, isn't it? Obviously, I think Man City are going to go into the game as favourites in the eyes of many because of their league position. They've been more impressive than Liverpool for the majority of the season, but there's always that question mark with Liverpool under Klopp. They're capable of pulling off really good performances on the biggest stage. They've done it already against Man City, of course, at the Etihad, winning 4-1, one of their standout performances of the season. Done it more recently, beating Aston Villa 6-0. So they're capable of those big, big wins. And if they turn up on the occasion with a performance like that, then it's perfectly feasible that Liverpool will come away with it. City, they aren't in the best form going into it. Obviously, they had a terrible uh, spell with those two defeats in the Premier League to title rivals and then the loss um, to Chelsea in the FA Cup with a really weakened side. Did bounce back against Dynamo Kiev. That was a good performance um, in midweek to get to pretty much put one foot in the quarterfinals of the Champions League for the first uh, first time ever. So, you know, they'll be coming into it full of confidence, but there is always that question mark with Liverpool. Under Klopp, they, they're capable of those big, big performances. They, they done it too, far too inconsistently so far under Klopp but they're capable of it Klopp is probably one manager you would pick out of most in the world to be able to get his players up for such an occasion like this and for him to get a trophy so soon into his range just four months after being appointed would be a big bonus obviously Brendan Rodgers didn't get one in three years so for him for Klopp to get one in, within four months of taking over would be a massive bonus and to be honest I, could, I think it could go either way it's a really tough one to call I think it is, yeah, and both sides obviously uh, winning midweek in Europe as well. And I think starting with City, their game in Kiev, you know, Pellegrini criticised, you know, by quite a few people with the way he picked that team for the Chelsea game. So many youngsters, but, you know, when they're fighting on all four fronts and the way the fixture list worked out, he just said the FA Cup, um, you know, it has to go on the back burner. And um, they, they prioritised that game against Kiev because, you know, the Champions League has been their main goal for a few years now. And you have to say that they play fantastically in that game. I mean, I thought Kiev were, they weren't good at all. They some of the defending uh, for, for the goal City scored and they presented City with a lot of chances you know the first one Aguero easily allowed to score in the box and then it was just too easy for City after that you know the way the David Silva got in for the second one and then Yaya Torre allowed to shoot far too easily at one point it looked a bit nervy for City when you know Kiev got one back to make it 2-1 and then Joe Hart made a fantastic save to keep it uh, keep City ahead in that game but on the whole it was a really good performance for City and three away goals you know Kiev aren't going to come to the Etihad and overturn that so City will go through and uh, like we said last week, there's a couple of weak ties in the last 16 in the Champions League. So City go through and avoid, you know, the likes of Barcelona, uh, Real Madrid, those sort of big teams. And there's a real chance they could, you know, go, go quite far in Europe. And they're not out of the Premier League title race yet. But I think in midweek that City performance was really good. And as for Liverpool, you know, they they edged past Augsburg in the end, didn't they? But it's so good in the first half, I think. But it got a bit nervy in the second half, didn't it? It did, yeah. And the frustration will be that they weren't able to kill the game off, and that. I mentioned the the big performances, the big wins Liverpool have already had under Klopp this season. But on the flip side of that, there were games where they create a lot of chances, but they don't take enough chances and they can't kill teams off. It would have been a lot better for them had they obviously 
got a, a 2-0, 3-0 lead quite early on, um, as they threatened to do at times. In the end, it was the, the fifth-minute penalty from Milner that proved to be the difference. But again, it wasn't the greatest performance against the side who were struggling at the wrong end of the Bundesliga table, so it wasn't exactly tough opposition. So, you know, coupled with the 0-0 draw against Augsburg a week previously, they're not coming into it in the in the greatest form themselves in terms of performances. Okay, they're three unbeaten, three clean sheets in a row. Which is which, obviously a big plus, but the performances in the last two games since that six 0 win over Aston Villa haven't been too too encouraging. Again, though, Klopp is always capable of of getting the team up for it. I think for Man City, the key thing will be that full strength team. Liverpool have had a decent rest, unusually so, between Europa League matches. They haven't often had seven days to recover, but Man City, as you mentioned, resting all those key players against Chelsea, they should be refreshed even after their long trip to Ukraine, which may take something out of their legs for them, But uh, especially as most of their key players had to play for the majority of their match. But still, that weekend off against Chelsea seemed to do them wonders against Kiev, and they'll be hoping they do the same. I think it was against Kiev, it was only the fifth or sixth time that the main core of players, Hart, Company, Torre, Silva and Aguero had all started this season so that goes to show you know how much they've struggled with injuries so far this season and if they had had those those five key players fit all season then for me they'd probably be top of the Premier League and, and, and going strong on all fronts really. I think this weekend's game is a big priority for them because you look at their position in all other competitions obviously now out of the FA Cup you mentioned they could get through to the semi-finals of the Champions League with a kind draw, but I, I can't see them beating a Barcelona or a Real Madrid or a Bayern Munich, probably even, or even a Juventus um, on on the form of those current other teams. And then in the Premier League, they're six points up, uh, off top, so this is definitely their most likely route of a piece of silverware this season. And it's a tournament which holds a special place for Manuel Pellegrini. It was his first trophy when he arrived here at Man City, so he'll be taking it seriously and he'll be desperate to to sign off with at least one piece of silverware and this is their best chance of doing it at the moment and arguably they're uh, you know they're not out of the Premier League title race but it's a, a tough ask to uh, claw back a six point deficit on Leicester yet alone uh, Tottenham and Arsenal also above them so this is probably certainly their main chance of a trophy and probably their only chance of a trophy this season I think yeah, I would agree with that. The only thing I'd say is that with the league, I think the return of company is, is absolutely massive for this team because he was so good at the start of the season. Even on Wednesday night against Kiev, he really marshaled defence well. And The only thing I'd say I'd be wary of if I was a Man City fan is that against Kiev, they, they pressed so high, and Otamendi especially, he just kept jumping in on all these tackles. And To be fair to them, he, he won most of them, and he really stood out for all the tackles he made. But I saw some of you know Liverpool's game against Augsburg on Thursday, and they were pinging the ball around in the first half really nicely. And I just worry that if City, you know, this gung-ho defending where they're jumping in, trying to win the ball a lot of the time, that Liverpool might be able to just, just to unlock them like that. And, you know, Sturridge has come back now. He's started a few games recently, hasn't he? He's looked pretty good. He came off, I think, after just about an hour last night. So he should be pretty fresh for the weekend. And he might just fancy his chances against the likes of Otamendi, who, like I said, he, he can look really good sometimes, but he's just a bit haphazard in his defending. Yeah, and obviously Man City's defence has been criticised quite a few times this season without company. But if Liverpool play like they did at the Etihad earlier this season with all that movement from Mino and Coutinho in particular linking up so well that and even with company in the side I think Man City would struggle to deal with them because they were so good in that uh, in that match and it's, it's a good point you mentioned with all the, the, the fluid passing when Liverpool are at their best it is tough for any team to defend against them and if Otamendi does come with that aggressive style of play then it is entirely likely that players the likes of Coutinho 
you know, Firmino uh, with the guile to get in behind them will do exactly that. And like the point I made with Man City earlier, with all the players they've had injured, I think Liverpool, if they had had Sturridge and Coutinho fit for the whole season, Skirtle's been out for quite a long time now, so if they'd had a full-strength side for the whole season as well, I think they'd be challenging, certainly up in the top four for the Premier League. So, you know, to to have Sturridge back in the side is such a huge boost. Benteke just... He, he he slows everything down. For, he seems to get in the way more than he does enhance the team for Liverpool. And Sturridge, as soon as he came back in, he's only played, I think, nine, made nine, ten appearances this season now. And he scored five goals. So he's 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 come back into the side. He's immediately got back on the goal for And he just looks so much more of a threat than a Ben Teke does um, for Liverpool so far this season. So to have him back in the side and to have Coutinho supplying uh, the chances for him as well is a huge boost for Liverpool going into this game. Yeah, I think Benteke even looks... He's hes definitely third choice now, isn't he? Origi seems to be the one coming off the bench if, if Sturridge isn't playing. And certainly Benteke looks like he's really flopped this season. And I don't know, it'd be interesting to see if maybe they sell him in the summer because certainly under Jurgen Klopp, uh, it hasn't really worked out for Benteke. But uh, come on then, Barnes. Neutral hat on. Uh, who's going to win? What's the score going to be this weekend? Uh, um, well, I, I, I'm going to back Liverpool. I think Jurgen Klopp's side... I think Jurgen Klopp's side got a big performance in them, and um, you know it's their first trip to Wembley since uh, 2012. They haven't won a trophy since 2012, so they'll be desperate to get that. Klopp's got a decent record in cup competitions from his days in Germany as well. So I'm going to go for a Liverpool win, two-one. I think two-one. I'll go the other way. I think City. I mean, I know everyone says about the travelling to Ukraine and all that, but. You know the way players travel these days and the way teams travel, it shouldn't make that much of a difference. You know, you can, if you want, to, I'm sure you can sleep pretty comfortably on the plane and all that kind of stuff. And I think they've had an extra day's rest, uh, City. And I just think that the way they looked in midweek, like you said, it was so important for them to have the backbones of their team all playing. Um, and I think they'll come out on top, three uh, two. I'm going to go for a goal fest, hopefully at Wembley. Um, but moving on to some of the other uh, English teams in Europe this week, the big game on Tuesday night uh, at the Emirates, Arsenal Barcelona, a massive occasion for Arsenal and. I mean, I watched the game and I thought, you know, they, Barcelona weren't firing on all cylinders like everyone expected them to. In the end, you know, Messi's uh, two goals in the second half. I mean, the first one was absolutely brilliant the way uh, Barca broke out from defence. And, I mean, Neymar should never have been allowed to get that first pass off to Suarez on the wing. And from there, it was just beautiful the way... I mean, there was two nutmegs in it as well. You know, Neymar's pass to Suarez goes through Cachet on his legs and then Suarez's pass back to Neymar. Uh, through Mertesackers I think it was so a bit unlucky there Arsenal but then the way um, Neymar waited for Messi's run and the way Messi stopped and then finished it was absolutely gorgeous the way he put it away and, and then Flamini came on and made that stupid tackle didn't he just concede the penalty Messi sticks it away and 2-0 there's no real chance for Arsenal had it been just 1-0 they might have had a, a slight chance going into the second leg but I think they certainly created chances in that game Oxlade-Chamberlain's in the first half was a massive miss and then uh, to Stegen made that really good save uh, from Giroud Ramsey missed a chance as well Arsenal I think Arsenal did play pretty well in that I thought Sanchez was disappointing Ozil quite disappointing as well you know they're two star players but other people did you know turn up on the night and yeah just one of those performances for Arsenal where on another day they could have easily won that game you know if, if that was uh, a one off final um, honestly on another day they could have maybe uh, snuck a win in that game but over two legs when you lose the first leg like that you haven't really got a chance and you can say that they're unlucky in the sense that uh, you know, Barca was a, a really tough draw, and obviously they had Bayern Munich in the group as well. Um, but you know, it's it's not Lux. You, you need to beat all these teams if you're going to get there. And obviously, Barca was a really tough draw, but not the result Arsenal needed. No, not at all. And you know, there was a lot of encouragement to come from the result, but 
it's just this Barcelona side are too good. Arsenal did really well in the first half to keep them at bay. They got a lot of uh, praise for their performance in the first half, but it's just, you know, you have to be 100% on your game defensively for the full 90 minutes against that front three. And Arsenal, just in the end, they had a couple of lapses and that cost them in the end. And even Wenger says now their chance of going through are 5% and that might even be being a bit generous to Arsenal. For them to win 2-0 or more at the new Camp is almost an impossible task against this Barcelona side and as I say there were encouraging signs to them and they you know, they won't be too disheartened from them but this this Barca side are just too good that you know it was a decent performance at times from Arsenal they just got outclassed in the end and that's what we expected to happen it proves that they're not at the level of Europe's elite as we expected that they weren't so you know Difficult, difficult one for Arsenal to take, considering they held out for you know seventy minutes there, which is longer than many people expected to against Barcelona, and they played a bit better match Barcelona more than many people expected to. But for me, you know, they got no chance of making uh, the the quarterfinals now. No, not at all. Um, and yeah, just another point on that Flamini incident. I just thought that it was just it was just so stupid for him because you can see on the replays that he his eye went and he saw Messi coming uh, just from the other side and, and he still kicked out so rashly at the ball and you know there was just no need to do that and it's just costing his team like that it was just obviously very silly and obviously makes Wenger look bad for, for sending him on but yeah like I said you know when you when you see how bad Kiev were against City you know Arsenal they could say perhaps they're slightly unlucky with the draw and like I said if that had been the final against Barcelona and they played that well in the final on another day they could have easily got a draw in that game because they, they, like you said, they did match them for large parts there, but over two legs, it was just never going to work out for them, really, was it? And I think they can be proud of some elements, but obviously the finishing, you have to take your chances. And Wenger said that afterwards, you know, you have to take your chances against teams like that. And uh, they couldn't do that. And that's where maybe they're missing that world-class striker that everyone you know, says they need, you know, the last few transfer windows. But, you know, Giroud, I thought the header he uh, to stay and kept out, he did everything he could there. It was a really good header and just a great save as well. But... As for um, Tuesday night's other match, this was the one uh, you watched on Tuesday night, Bayern versus Juve. Um, what was that game like? Yeah, fantastic game. Really, really entertaining Champions League tie. And it's incredible, really, that it finished 2 all because the level of dominance Bayern enjoyed in the first hour was remarkable to see. I've, I've rarely seen something like it between two teams so big. You know, Juventus, the champions of uh, Italy, reached the final of the Champions League last season on a fantastic run of 15 wins in a row and then a draw before the game going in, uh, going into Tuesday's match. So Bayern Munich made them look completely ordinary in their own backyard. For the first hour, they just dominated possession. Juventus maybe gave them a bit too much respect on the ball and Bayern just took full advantage. It was complete one-way traffic. Thomas Muller got um, the goal and then Ian Robin got another goal. Juventus punished for letting him cut inside. It was pretty obvious exactly what Robin was going to do as soon as he picked up the ball. But Juventus just couldn't stop him. He cut inside and bent the ball home. And it looked pretty much tie over at that point. 55 minutes gone. Bayern Munich 2-0 up away from home in the first leg. It was hard to see Juventus coming back because they'd been just second best for the for the entire game up to that point. But Dybala got the goal back on the 63rd, in, the, in the 63rd minute. It was the first real defensive lapse from Bayern Munich. They, looked, they did look susceptible to a long ball over the top throughout the game. On the rare occasions, Juventus were actually able to come forward. But... This time it was it just the ball just squirmed under the foot of Kimmich in, in the makeshift Bayern Munich defence as well. Another thing to note, this is a Bayern Munich defence who's struggling with injuries at the moment. So for them to have looked so dominant in the first hour is even more incredible. But that one mistake allowed uh, Dybala to, to get the goal and then Storaro got the equaliser, which 
rescues at least a little glimmer of hope for Juventus. It, the f- final half an hour was good, and if they can perform like that in the second leg, then they do have a chance. But at the same time, it's hard to see Bayern Munich, you know, with two away goals. It's, it's level on aggregate, but United, uh, but Bayern do have the advantage, and they've got a hundred percent record in all competitions at home or so far this season as well. So it's really tough to see Juventus coming back from that. But again, they will they will take a lot of heart from that final half an hour because they were. They were ordinary in the first hour, made to look ordinary by Bayern Munich. So if they can perform like they did in the final half an hour, then they've got a, uh, a bit of a chance. But for me, it's still Bayern Munich's tie to lose that one. Yeah, I was going to say, surely even... I mean, obviously a great comeback from you, though, but the fact that Bayern now go home, where you say they've got an amazing record this season, uh, they're definitely going to be favourites going into that game. And people questioned whether you know Guardiola, uh, whether he'd really done as well as he could do- have done in Europe uh, with Bayern, but... I mean, you sound pretty impressed with how how well they played, you know, in the early stages of that match. And did you? Are they now, say, second favourites behind Barcelona uh, to win the Champions League this season? I think so. I've, I hadn't seen too much of Bayern Munich this season before that uh, that game on Tuesday, and what I saw, I was so impressed with. Because as I say, this is one of the top teams in Europe, the second best team in Europe last season. Uh, when you can, when you see they came runners up of the Champions League, so they were made to look like just a, a couple of leagues below Bayern Munich it was incredible how much they dominated possession it was hard to see anyone really doing anything different because Juventus they were powerless to do anything different they were perhaps giving them a bit too much time on the ball like I said but when they were in possession themselves Bayern were just all over them they couldn't they couldn't get anything going Juventus so you know it was really difficult to see them getting back into the game they eventually managed to do so and those two goals, as well as giving Juventus hope, will probably give other teams in the Champions League hopes that uh, you know Bayern aren't completely invincible. But for me, that that performance in the first hour does lift them probably above Real Madrid and just behind Bayern, uh, Barcelona as the favourites for this season's competition. Yeah, it should be very interesting uh, return leg back in Germany. Um, the only other tie we haven't talked about uh, from midweek in the Champions League. Uh, PSV and Atletico Madrid 0-0 draw on the night uh, PSV had um, a man sent off in that game so in the end probably did quite well uh, to hold Atletico to a goal to score, you know prevented them getting an away goal but you know the way Atletico you know their clean sheet record under Simeone I mean they're going to be big favourites going back to the uh, Vicente Calderon aren't they? Yeah they are and you'd expect them to, to do the business PSV they've done pretty well to get this far to be honest they've you know they've drawn in a group with Man United as well People, some people didn't expect them to get through uh, Wolfsburg and United were probably the two favourites to get through that group. So PSV, they've done well to um, to get through this far, and then to hold Atletico, who are one of the one of the top teams in Europe, they're second in La Liga at the moment. So they're, they're right up there with Barcelona and Real Madrid. So a nil nil draw is a decent result for PSV, but probably not good enough. Still, um, you'd expect Atletico to get the win. They, as you mentioned, they've got a ridiculously good clean sheet record under Simeone, and that's even better at home so they'll be pretty confident of keeping PSV at bay in terms of attacking and they're, they're the masters probably in European football of you know nicking a goal nicking a 1-0 2-0 victory so they'll be heavy favourites for that one in me uh, uh, for that uh, for that tie and I can't really see PSV doing anything to stop them to stop Atletico going through to the quarters Yeah and a big game uh, for Atletico this weekend as well isn't it they play Real Madrid um, in La Liga and you know, it's I mean, it's a must-win game for Real, really, isn't it? The way the table's looking. If they're going to have, I mean, I'm pretty sure. Well, they they shouldn't really be able to catch Barcelona, given how well Barca are playing at the moment. But for Real Madrid, they they really have to win this weekend, don't they? They do to stand any chance, really. The the draw against Malaga last weekend was a real hammer blow to their title hopes. I think 
there was a big feeling that they needed really to win that if they were to keep up with Barcelona, who, as you mentioned, are just absolutely flying at the moment. They're eight points clear of Atletico, nine clear of Real Madrid. So it's, it's such a big ask for Real Madrid uh, to claw that back, even even with a win this weekend. But as you say, a win this weekend is right. Or anything else, you know, they could be as much as twelve points behind Barcelona, and you know, with twelve games of the season remaining, and Barcelona in this form, scoring the amount of goals they're scoring, it's hard to see them coming back from that. It's not going to be an easy match. We mentioned Atletico's fantastic clean sheet record, and they tend to they tend to turn up against the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona. They've, they've got a decent record over the last few years under Simeone in those big big games. And they're right up there, as I mentioned, with those those three. So Real Madrid might be slight favourites, but it's going to be a close match. And if they can get the win, it might give them the boost. It might give them a, a bit of hope to uh, push on and you know challenge Barcelona right to the end. But it's going to be it's going to be really tough, even if they do win. And if they don't win, I think they can kiss goodbye to their uh, their title hopes. Yeah, because even though Barca, you know, they're still in the Copa del Rey, still in the Champions League, that team they just never look tired, do they? They 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 can trot their stars out, you know, every game and. They never seem to have a problem really there, do they? So you fully expect, I mean, even if Barca dropped the odd point here and there, you wouldn't expect Real and Atletico to be able to you know, win every game and be able to catch them. So it looks like Barca's uh, title in La Liga. Um, but moving on to the Europa League, um, we've already talked about Liverpool going through, uh, beating, edging out Augsburg 1-0 on aggregate. Um, as for Manchester United, it was a bit of a, bit of a weird night at Old Trafford, wasn't it? Because they obviously lost 2-1 in Denmark to Midtjylland. Um, and then, you know, big favourites even after that defeat in the first leg. But then they fall behind uh, last night and eventually they, you know, run out five on winners. I mean, Midland running out of steam, I'm guessing. And obviously, uh, Rashford making all the headlines on his debut. What did you make of the game? Yeah, it was it was a lot less comfortable for United than the scoreline suggests. 5-1 makes it look like they cruise through. 6-3 on aggregate makes it look like they cruise through. But it wasn't really until the last 15 minutes where they, they began to look like they were actually going to go through on the night without the the help of extra time. It was, you know, Michelin, it was one-way traffic in terms of Manchester United attack and they absolutely dominated possession. There was only one team really looking to get the goal and then Michelin, completely out of the blue, opened the score with a really good goal from Sisto. Such good composure. You'd say poor defending from United. It was pretty clear at that point to see that they had two midfielders in Carrick and Blind at the back because they both, they both dived in rashly and just gave Sisto just the easy way into the box into a good shooting position and then Romero should have done better in goal as well but they, they, United responded really well to going behind they could, with such a young team their heads could easily have dropped again 3-1 behind on aggregate against these unknowns these minnows of European football so to to make a good response straight away would be would have been good they got a bit of luck with the own goal from Bodjerov, um but it was made by Memphis who was Rashford made the headlines but Memphis was the absolute star that night it was it was one of the best uh, it was certainly his best performance of his Man United career it was one of the most one-sided winger versus fullback duels I have seen for a long long time it was, it was uh, Roma for um, Mitchelland had one of the worst performances I think I've ever seen it was it was absolutely dreadful he just got skinned every single time Memphis came up against him he didn't know whether he was going on the inside or the outside usually the criticism of Memphis is that he cuts inside far too often but he was doing it on the outside this time he was bringing out all the skills just beating him every time and then Roma goes and concedes the penalty which was subsequently missed by Mata and then gets sent off late in the game it was a truly a 0 out of 10 <laughs> performance from him it was horrendously bad so Memphis was the key architect of that victory it was a fantastic performance from him Rashford 
did really well to get the two goals. It was good movement and good finishing from him. He didn't do too much aside from that. He had a few explosive moments where he looked decent, but didn't do too much aside from the two goals. But they were the two crucial goals. They levelled it on aggregate and then put them ahead on aggregate. And to have come in with, what, about 10 minutes notice after Anthony Martial pulled up in, in the warm-up. Really good for him. Such a good way to mark his debut. And then late on, it was Herrera's penalty to pay marked his man of the match performance with a deserved goal either side of the Roma red card which made it added a bit of gloss to the scoreline and in the end it looks like a comfortable victory it wasn't that comfortable for Manchester United but it was a good performance they deserved the victory they deserved to go through um, but a, a word for Michelin they, they did really well even to reach the knockout stage even to reach the group stages of the Europa League to be honest for the first time in their history and they got the goal at Old Trafford it looked like being at one Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today point enough to send them through but in the end yeah they did run out of steam in the end a bit of a late collapse lost their heads in the end a, a bit to concede those two goals concede two penalties over the course of the match and have a man sent off so United through in the end they, they were given a scare but they in the end got the job done yeah just uh, back to Rashford I sort of I saw some tweets last night of uh, sort of saying things like you know 18 year old uh, Mancunian born United fan scores two on his debut to send United through uh, fantastic and all that and you, you've got to like you've got to step back a bit and just think, you know, United have gone 3-1 down to a, a, a small team from Denmark here and then, you know, had to fight back and, you know, in the end they sort of run out of steam and they've just had their winter break. It's, you know, you can't get too excited about this guy, you know, playing and obviously scoring. I mean, I thought they were both really good finishers as well, but even so, you wouldn't expect him to now become a, a regular fixture in the Premier League this season, would you? Well, no, because he, he, he was only in the squad because there was an injury to Will Keane and Shrewsbury and Will Keane would have only been in the squad probably because there's an injury to Wayne Rooney at the moment. So, you know, there was a lot of... He's quite far down the pecking order. Those two goals might have put him uh, bumped him above Keane, but it's hard to see him becoming a regular anytime soon. As I say, his, his movement was good and he did well, but this was Mitchell and, you know, they're not, they're not the level of most of the teams are going to come up against in the Premier League. So... Yeah, it's right to issue a bit of caution. Obviously, a dream debut for the kid. You don't want to take that away from him. But, you know, there's there's a long, long way to go if he's to surpass the likes of Rooney and Martial or anyone in, to be a regular starter in the side. And as I say, he got a stroke of luck even to get the to get the start. But at the same time, a lot of United players, uh, youngsters, have been, have been given starts through injuries. United going through a terrible injury crisis at the moment. Obviously, that Martial injury only um, exacerbated that uh, in midweek so for them to have won so comfortably it's such the first time they've scored five goals in a game under Van Hal so it was their, probably their best attacking performance under the Dutchman so far so for them to score five goals with a pretty makeshift side look at two players making their debut with Riley including Rashford and a lot of youngsters in the squad two midfielders at centre-back the full-backs between them had six uh, senior appearances between them so it's a real makeshift side. To, to to come away with the victory will be a plus for Van Gaal and to come away with an attacking victory as well, five goals in the game will be a real plus for them. But, you know, I think the damage done in the first leg where they lost 2-0, 
that was pretty much it was going to take a big big victory for them to undo that with a win in the second leg because everyone was expecting them to get through not sure the the manner of the 5-1 victory with the two late goals and falling behind did that and while while the last two wins on paper look impressive 3-0 and 5-1 you have to remember that they're up against Shrewsbury and Michelin so it's been very interesting to see how they do this weekend when there's a real test against Arsenal yeah just going back to your point about sort of young players getting chances you know uh, Luke Shaw being injured and uh, a couple of other players means that Borthwick-Jackson's got to play and he's actually really impressed, hasn't he? So maybe you know Rashford could take some heart from that and might be able to see some game time uh, in the near future. But uh, as for Memphis, you know, he's, you know, he said that was his, by far his best performance for United and his other good performances since you know last time he's moved tend to have come in Europe. But do you think just how good he was last night might just be able to propel him you know, in the Premier League and back in England so he can really impress domestically? Well, United would certainly hope so because they could really do with him coming good with, as I say, their injury crisis and with Martial now playing as a striker, Depay's going to get a lot, lot, a long run in out on the wide position there. And if he looked like a world beater last uh, last night, I, you'd say probably the opposition wasn't the best, but the skills he was doing and the way he was making the fullback guess would uh, would hurt any defence really because he didn't know whether he was going to come inside, cut inside on his right foot, and then. Uh, curl one towards goal which he's more than capable of doing and has done a few times or whether he was going to go on the outside there was one stage early in the match first thing he did was cut inside and we thought okay he's going to do that most of the game now but then the next time he went on the outside didn't use his left foot and made a mess of the cross but then it had the fullback guessing and he didn't know which way he was going to go every time and he he kept them guessing every time it was a really really good uh, performance from him and if he can play like that in the Premier League even against higher calibre opposition he's going to give anyone anyone a, a difficult time of it and it shows what he can do the challenge for him now is to do that on a more regular basis when he arrived in England I thought he was going to be a really good signing obviously fantastic season last season scored a lot of goals hasn't happened for him but such a good performance last night could be the catalyst for him to kick on and maybe start showing his best in the Premier League as well Yep so good win for United last night Spurs also going through a 4-1 aggregate winners over Fiorentina and that's the game that I was on last night and I have to say that I was Spurs were pretty good, but I was more disappointed with Fiorentina. And this is a team that, in Serie A, they're only six points behind Juve, sitting third in the table. You know they should they should have been a lot better than they were. Because in the first leg, uh, first half of the first leg, they sat back, let, let Spurs have the ball. Spurs uh, went one 0 up at half time, and then Fiorentina got better in the second half, got a deflected goal uh, to get back in it. One all uh, after the first leg because they played last season as well, Spurs and Fiorentina, and that, that was the scoreline after the first leg last year as well. But difference this year, Spurs had the second leg at home and. They really cruised the victory last night. Brian Mason put them ahead with a... I mean, it was a good finish the way he opened his body, but it was so obvious that was what he was going to do. And the keeper took seemed to take an age to try to get down to save it. And yeah, it looked like a decent finish, but I think the keeper certainly could have done better. And then Fiorentina, uh, after half-time, they, they really came out quite well. And just like last week, they looked quite dangerous straight after half-time. But Spurs uh, managed to keep him out and then got that crucial second goal, which just put the tie out of Fiorentina's reach. Uh, Lamella, uh, he, he made his return and got the goal as well. And... And then after that, it was pretty easy for Spurs. They got a third goal. Uh, Rodriguez with an own goal as well with um, Trippier, who he's really impressed me the last sort of two months or so, Trippier, getting down the wing. He's he's so good getting forward, and I think he's really going to fight Carl uh, Walker for the regular uh, right-back spot in the league now. But a good win for Spurs, and you have to say that, considering they lost to the same team uh, a lot in last year's last 32, it was a good win for them. And, you know, they'd be a team that a lot of teams uh, in the next stage will want to avoid in the draw because... The players they've got, you know, they, they didn't even have Harry Kane last night because um, he broke his nose against Palace at the weekend. I mean, it was really disappointing that defeat to Palace uh, in the FA Cup. That was a that was a blow for Spurs because Palace 
uh, bad form in that one. And so I think Spurs would have wanted to carry on in the FA Cup as well, but to go out there and then obviously lose Kane for last night's match. So he wasn't there, but I mean, the other players, Ericsson was good. Deli Ali had a cracking game again, although he um, he got booked for a dive, which was so harsh. It wasn't really a dive at all. So now he's uh, suspended for the second leg. So that's a blow for them. But then if you go back to the first leg, he actually probably should have been sent off in the first leg for a, a kick he did on Tomovic. So either way, he probably should have been suspended for one of these games. But it was another good performance from him and Spurs through. And they're a team that no one else will want to face, are they? Certainly, and that 3-0 winning, this is such an impressive one. Could we were speaking before the first leg about how they might put the Europa League on the back burner a bit with the Premier League, such a possibility for them to win it for the first time. So for them to, to do that against one of Italy's top teams shows that they're, they're not taking their foot off the pedal at all in any competition. Whether that hurts them later down the line in the Premier League remains to be seen, but you've got to admire them for going for it on all fronts and as you say, a really impressive victory and they will fancy their chance of going pretty far in the competition. I mean, there was a, there was a couple of big scalps uh, went out in the in, in the round of 32. My favourites, Napoli, crashed out to, to Villarreal, which was a bit of a shock. I, th- I thought Napoli might go all the way, but at the same time, there are also a lot of big teams left in the competition. Obviously, United and Liverpool have their own aspirations of going far. Borussia Dortmund have got to be considered up there among the favourites. Sevilla as well. Villarreal did well to knock out Napoli. So uh, Bill Bow up there, Leverkusen into the next round. There's a lot of big teams in there, and it's going to be interesting. It's shaping up to be a really exciting Europa League. So there's a lot of uh, teams in there who could realistically go the, all the way. Tottenham is certainly in there. They sent a message out to Fiorentina, uh, out to Europe with that win over Fiorentina, as they have out to England with their form in the Premier League so far this season. So on all fronts, I've been so impressed by Tottenham all season. Yeah, I was just going to say the last 16. Uh, it does. It's really shaping up quite nicely, isn't it? I mean. Uh, you mentioned Dortmund there, 3-0 aggregate winners against Porto, not conceding against them was a really good result and uh, you didn't mention Valencia there, 10-0 aggregate winners, I mean I know it's only uh, Rapid Vienna, not exactly uh, the strongest team and you know the, the 6-0 win in the first leg, it was always going to be a, a bit of a weird game last night but for them to you know, even win 4-0 away from home, that's four wins in a row for Gary Neville now, he seems to be you know finding his rhythm a bit there and there's uh, talk that he might be offered a two year contract after uh, you know a very dodgy start there so they're going to be a team people want to avoid, and I thought Leverkusen four-one against uh, Lisbon. I thought that was a really good result, and uh, you know they've got Javier Hernandez scoring goals for fun there, and Caligouli, his um, his set pieces are absolutely fantastic when he puts corners and free kicks in. So, and Lazio four-two against Galatasaray as well. Shakhtar three-nil winners uh, aggregate against uh, Schalke. So some really you know really impressive performances in the round of thirty-two, and yeah, like you said, really shaping up to be a, a very interesting last sixteen. Yeah, it is, and obviously I'm going to have to pick a new favourite. Now, Napoli have gone out, and it's a difficult one to choose from, really. I think you do have to take that Valencia win with a pinch of salt, but beating any team in in the knockout stage of Europe 10-0 over aggregate is a fantastic result, so they certainly can't be counted out. It'll be interesting to see if they get drawn. There could be some pretty tasty draws in the last 16 if Gary Neville's Valencia get United, if Jurgen Klopp returns to Borussia Dortmund. So I'm looking forward to that draw. It should be a good one, whatever happens, and... Of all the teams left in the competition, with the exception of perhaps Braga and Sparta Prague, you'd say, maybe Anderlecht as well, you'd say that, uh, that they would all fancy their chance of getting pretty far in the competition. Fenerbahce, they're not going to be an easy team to beat. So, you know, there's a lot of teams in there who are going to win it. And obviously, Europa League usually um, takes the back, uh, is on the back burner compared to the Champions League. But this is taste, uh, shaping up to be a really tasty uh, tournament this year. Yeah, it certainly will be. And I think, you know, there should be, like I said, even if even if, say, Klopp doesn't go to Dortmund or Neville doesn't go to United, even if those don't happen, there's definitely going to be some uh, really interesting draws there. And 
the last because you know the Europa League in, in years gone by tends to get some teams in the last 16 who you feel maybe shouldn't be there and but this year there's just so many big names in there because you'd expect you know teams like United you know they'd usually be in the Champions League and all, I mean three English teams there they're all three big English teams and uh, some of them I mean you'd expect Napoli to be in the Champions League Dortmund to be in the Champions League but all these teams you know uh, playing in the Europa League now so should be a very interesting competition good for the competition for sure um, but let's move on uh, to this weekend's Premier League games now um, pick of the games in the Premier League you'd have to say on Sunday uh, old rivalry old Premier League rivalry Manchester United against Arsenal um, Arsenal like we've said defeat to Barcelona uh, in midweek and then before that as well last weekend in the FA Cup uh, couldn't beat Hull City the championship leaders at home in the FA Cup so not exactly a good week for Arsenal after you know that massive win they had over Leicester uh, in the Premier League the week before no, and that's surprising because that win over Leicester came in such circumstances that you thought that's really going to let them kick on for the rest of the season and just put them full of confidence. They're trailing against Leicester, Leicester having a man sent off and then Arsenal coming from behind and with the last action of the game pretty much getting the win against the title rivals in what was pretty much a make-or-break game for their title hopes. If they'd lost that game, they would have been out of the title race more or less. So it was such a huge victory for them. So for them to follow that up a week later with... A goalless draw against Hull. Okay, Hull. You know they defended well and they they got a bit of luck to keep Arsenal at bay. But still, to to draw a blank at home against Hull in the FA Cup would have been really disappointing. Expectations were obviously a lot le- a lot lower against Barcelona, and in a way, that performance against Barcelona will give them more encouragement. And although they lost and the draw against Hull would so. You know, it's, it's an interesting contrast between these two teams. Obviously, United got a big win in, mid, in midweek in Europe. Arsenal lost in midweek in Europe. But both sides will be coming into this match relatively happy with their performances. United obviously fell behind in that game, but they fought back well. Arsenal fought well against one of the top teams in the world, one of the top teams of all time, uh, for my uh, for my reckoning. So it's an interesting tie. Both although contrasting results in midweek will come into this match with a bit of confidence that they can they can um they can pick up the victory and it's probably a it's a huge game for both sides because obviously Arsenal they're in the title race only two points behind Leicester but for Manchester United if they don't win this then you know their top four hopes are really hanging by the balance they could start the game seventh in the table if Southampton and West Ham both win as well so it's a huge huge game for Man United if they stand any chance of reaching the top four City aren't going to be in action obviously because of the league up so the gap's not going to grow from six points for Man United but they would lose a game in hand against City so it's bordering must win for United but the same probably applies to, to Arsenal as well for their title hopes yeah, definitely. You mentioned uh, Southampton there. They've got a that's a, that's one of the best games of the weekend. They play Chelsea uh, three o'clock on Saturday, and the way Southampton have been playing of late, you know, just c- keeping so many clean sheets since uh, Fraser Forster's return. And then Chelsea um, playing pretty well as well. You know, we, we've already said that last weekend. You know, five-one winners um, against City in the FA Cup, but still, a, it was still a good performance from them, even though City did, you know, play a very weakened team. And Chelsea, you know. They're sitting twelfth now. Still, you know, they're definitely not going to make the top four. But there's a chance if they really push on in this second half of the season, they could get up into one of the Europa League spots. Yeah, there is, and there were there were signs over the last week or two that they're starting to hit their their old form again. Under hitting, you know, they're still unbeaten domestically, but too many draws. I think they've only won three of their nine Premier League games under hitting. But the 5-1 win over Newcastle last time out in the Premier League was really good. Even in defeat to PSG, they impressed. It was a decent performance, better than many expected. And then 
they took advantage obviously that City weakened team to, to cruise to victory in the FA Cup so it's been a pretty good spell for Chelsea even even including that defeat to PSG so they'll go into that match fairly confident away from home I, I don't think they've conceded a single goal since uh, Jose Mourinho left the club as well so they're in good form and you mentioned Southampton's clean sheet record remarkable six clean sheets in a row ever since Fraser forced a return to the side they're the form team in the Premier League at the moment they've raced up from 13th in the table up to 6th and as I mentioned earlier could move up to 5th and close the gap on the top 4 to just 4 points with a victory this weekend so it's a really intriguing game I'm, I'm actually predicting a goalless draw in this one because both sides have um, have, have a decent clean sheet record recently Chelsea away from home and Southampton both home and away so I can I can see not many goals in the match but I think it's going to be a pretty intriguing encounter Yeah it should be yeah and as for the leaders Leicester you know really disappointing to lose that game to Arsenal but they've had two weeks off no fixtures uh, since then and you know only 12 games of the season left now it's not long at all and when when you look at the run-ins Leicester they've, they've played all their matches uh, against the other teams or their title rivals in the top four and uh, they're running in terms of uh, I saw a stat about you know the average position uh, of the teams they face in the final 12 games and theirs is the lowest out of any of the title rivals and you know this weekend they host Norwich who have been in pretty bad form I mean Norwich they did they, they got a 2-2 draw against West Ham last time which was you know a decent result but they've, they've been shipping goals for fun recently Norwich and you'd expect you know a well-rested uh, Vardy and Myers to have far too much uh, for them and you know then Leicester you know their, their, their next few fixtures they all look very winnable and you'd have to say that, that they want to be in a good position come the end of the season because I think their last three games um, they're against Man U uh, Everton and Chelsea which all three very difficult games and You'd have to say that if they can string together some wins now, they should put themselves in a really good position. Yeah, they should. And those final three games are the, the real thing that's preventing me from outright claiming them as champions already, I think. Because, as you mentioned, they're running up to that point. It's, you know, they'd expect to get a lot of points from that one. Norwich this weekend, you mentioned the draw against West Ham, but they were 2-0 up to that one. They blew the two-goal lead. So that will feel like another defeat. And that's their only point from the last 18 available in the Premier League. So they're in pretty dire straits at the moment. I think this weekend it's a huge, huge weekend for Leicester and both Leicester and Tottenham because they're both going into games that expect to win. Leicester obviously would expect to beat uh, uh, Norwich. Tottenham were, uh, would expect to beat Swansea on the Sunday. And with Arsenal facing a difficult trip to Old Trafford, that's not an easy game for them to get. And obviously Manchester City not in, a, in action because they're in the League Cup final. So it's a real opportunity for Leicester and Tottenham to both steal a march on them. And wow. Um, City at least would have a game in hand. It would certainly put the pressure on Arsenal and City below them if um, if Leicester and Tottenham were both to win those games, which we'd expect them to do this weekend. Yeah, as for uh, the bottom of the table, um, two, the two to me, Newcastle, uh, they're not in action because they were due to play City, uh, who are in the League Cup final. But uh, Sunderland and Aston Villa, um, both got quite tough away games. Sunderland go to West Ham uh, in the Saturday lunchtime game uh, and then Villa go to Stoke at three o'clock and I mean, the way the table's looking at the moment, you know, Sunderland's only a point now behind Norwich outside the bottom three after that win at United. And like we said, Villa, you know, they, they are going to go down unless something remarkable, even more remarkable than what Leicester did last season happens. But as for Sunderland, you know, there's a real chance now they could stay up with Newcastle not playing this weekend, Norwich going to Leicester. You know, if Sunderland can get a point uh, there at West Ham or even better, they'll probably climb out of the bottom three. And things, you know, looking all right for Sam Allardyce's men. Yeah, they are, and of those teams in and around the, the the relegation zone, I'd probably say they've got the best chance this weekend of picking something up from from those games. I'd still expect West Ham to win that, but I'd give Sunderland more chance of getting something out of the game than I would Aston Villa away to Stoke. I think that's got a home win 
written all over it. And obviously we've already mentioned Norwich against Leicester. That looks like a Leicester victory. And Swansea against Tottenham looks like a Tottenham win. So out of the, it could be a, a really good weekend if Sunderland are able to get anything out of the early kickoff against West Ham. As I mentioned, though, West Ham, they're in good form themselves and they themselves could move up to fifth momentarily. Also, like Southampton, could close the gap on the top four to four points. So they've got plenty to fight for as well. That's going to be an interesting game. Obviously, Sam Allardyce has returned to Upton Park as well. So he'll look to use his inside knowledge there to get a good result for Sunderland. And it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they might get one. I'd still back West Ham, but out of the relegation candidates in action this weekend... I'd say Sunderland are in the best position to pick up something and perhaps move out of the relegation zone, which would be a huge, huge bonus for them. Absolutely, yeah, because say a month or two ago, it really looked like they might sort of be doomed if they didn't pick up a few points and might be you know, cut adrift a bit with Villa, but they've come back quite well and obviously uh, that win over United last time out was absolutely huge for them. But West Ham, you know, they come into that game, uh, Paillet's been in good form since his return and uh, last time out for West Ham in the FA Cup, uh, fifth round, they... They fell behind at Blackburn Rovers. Um, really good goal from Ben Marshall for Blackburn. But then after that, West Ham uh, ended up winning five-one. Pia scored another uh, glorious free kick in that game, and you know they went through to the quarterfinals. Good result for them. But then you know tough draw for West Ham, wasn't it? They have to go to Old Trafford in the quarterfinals after Man U, uh, like we said, beat Shrewsbury. But West Ham dark horses for the FA Cup this year. Yeah, I think so. I uh, I picked Watford, but West Ham are definitely up there at the moment and that performance against Blackburn was really impressive they got the sort of squad that that can really that hurt punish any lower league teams but also hurt the top teams left in the competition so they'll really fancy their chances for me I think it's going to be between Watford and West Ham to, to make the final and perhaps win it out of the, the potential dark horses and Watford I, I give you know a decent amount of backing to because if if Hull can beat Arsenal in the next round then You'd expect Watford maybe to get a decent result at the KC Stadium. Of course, that is a big if, and should Arsenal get through that replay, then it's going to be a lot tougher for Watford. But at the same time, West Ham have got a tough match against Manchester United at Old Trafford as well. So it's an interesting uh, quarter-final uh, lineup for FA uh, for the FA Cup because Arsenal United both home ties against two teams who really fancy their chances. Everton Chelsea is a really good tie. Chelsea will really fancy their chance of salvaging something from the season with the FA Cup, but. Everton, we've, we've mentioned a few times with their run to the League Cup already this season that they haven't won a major trophy since 1995, so they'll be desperate. And then, you know, Reading, the only championship side um, left in the competition, should Hull go out at home to Crystal Palace. Both sides will fancy their chance in that match as well. Palace in terrible form apart from in the FA Cup, but have generally been better on the road this season. So it's pretty much all the all the ties in that are quite difficult to call. And I'm looking forward to going through the seat, uh, to seeing who goes through to the semi-finals because this could be a really open. FA Cup, any one of the sides with the possible exception of Reading and probably Hull will really fancy their chance of winning the competition and there's a big chance that it could be a, a relatively new name on the trophy as well. Yeah, I think uh, Reading and Palace, they, they, they'd both be happy with that draw already. I think of the teams left in the competition, you'd say that probably those two, the way things are going, are the weakest there. So for them to draw each other, uh, they'd both be pretty happy there and I think the other teams... Uh, would have would have been looking to well, I mean, Reading especially. The, everyone else would have been uh, looking to draw them, and for Palace to get them, I know it's a, an away tie for them, but you'd have to say that that's the weakest of the. Uh, I mean, especially if Arsenal do end up beating Hull, that's definitely the weakest of the four ties there, and that means that one of those teams um, going to Wembley uh, for the semi final. I mean, Reading obviously went there recently uh, for last year's uh, semi final against uh, Arsenal when they I think they lost an extra time, didn't they, with that um, Federici mistake from uh, Sanchez's shot, but. 
as for Palace, it's, I mean, like you said, they've been uh, struggling uh, a lot recently in the Premier League, and for them to get get an easy draw like that in, in the quarterfinals, and it's a real chance for them to go to Wembley. And for for a club like Palace, who you know a very good following, you know, it's not far for them to go to Wembley. If they if they can get there, it'd be a fantastic occasion for them. It would be fantastic, and it cap off. Although things aren't going too well for them in the Premier League at the moment, it cap off a, a pretty impressive season for them. Pardew's done a fantastic job. I don't think the job he's done there can be understated. Really, he's, he's turned them into a real force to be reckoned with. And as, yeah, they're, they're not going through a, a good spell in the Premier League at the moment. But a, f- a couple of wins, it's all pretty tight around the mid tables. But a couple of wins will propel them back into the top half of the table. And it wasn't long ago that they were being touted as potential European contenders. It wasn't too long ago that they've been touted by some as potential top four can, uh, contenders when they were going on a, a good run. So they've certainly got the quality. They've suffered from injuries themselves, but their performances in the FA Cup this season have been really impressive. They've beaten three Premier League teams in Southampton, Stoke and Tottenham. Tottenham probably the most impressive lot away from home with Tottenham in such good form. Um, so yeah, they're, they're in good form in the FA Cup, if, if not the Premier League. And they, they will fancy their chances. It'll be a big trip to Wembley for them. To, to get to the semi-finals and then if they can get through that to the finals then it'll be one of the biggest uh, biggest days in the club's recent history for sure yeah definitely um, I think that's all we've got time for today then Barnes uh, thanks a lot and uh, thanks very much for listening be sure to um, head to sportsmile.co.uk this weekend uh, we've got live coverage of the League Cup final all those big Premier League games the Madrid derby as well in the Liga uh, it looks like a fantastic weekend um, we'll be back next week for the next episode of the podcast see you then Acast anbefaler mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrætter alle de der podcast og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.